Okay. Good morning, everybody. Okay. So let's start with a visualization. And uh, you don't need to think of just one Buddha surrounded by loads of other Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, but uh, the whole universe filled with Buddhas of all different sizes, surrounded by Bodhisattvas, all looking at us with kindness, compassion, encouragement, and no judgment. And all these assemblies of holy beings we imagine duplicates of ourselves sitting in front of them, surrounded by all sentient beings. Or you can just think that there's just one of you and the sky is filled with merit fields. And uh, we're surrounded by all the sentient beings. Don't worry about them all fitting in the space. The universe is uh, unlimited. And then reflecting on the state of our mind, how uncontrolled our minds are. And let's realize that we really need help, direction, teachings, showing us how to free ourselves from samsara, and how to help others do the same. So with that, we turn to the three jewels for refuge. So when we look at what's going on in the world, we may get very depressed, very disheartened, or we could use it as a Lamrim teaching through which we check whether the Buddha's teachings are true or not. 
So when the Buddha taught that ignorance, attachment, and anger are the three poisonous minds that uh, create harm here and now and that create the destructive karma that, that leaves seeds in our mind that will ripen in future lives. So you look at the war in Ukraine, you look at what's happening with Jackson's uh, interviews to join the Supreme Court. You look at anything you see around you and check to what extent are ignorance, anger, and attachment involved. And how do they function in these situations? And even in our personal life, when we have problems, we aren't getting along with others, or we feel unappreciated, to what extent are the three poisonous minds active? So spend some time doing this and By thinking like this, we can really gain conviction that when the Buddha talked about the cause of samsara, he knew what he was talking about. And with a sense of compassion for ourselves and for all living beings under the the binding control of the three poisonous minds, let's generate bodhicitta and make a determination to do something about this situation. So somebody sent me a quotation, uh, something that Zelensky said on March 4th, which was about two weeks after the invasion started. And, uh, you know, so he's in some underground bunker and getting bombed and everything. And he said, today my life is wonderful. I believe that I am needed. That's the most important sense of life, that you are needed, that you are not just an emptiness that breathes and walks and eats. And so it made me uh, reflect 
how much uh, our relationships with other sentient beings give meaning and purpose to our lives. Uh, that uh, Dharma practice isn't about uh, getting away from the world. You know, I'm going to find myself a nice ice-filled cave in the Himalayas, you know, where I can practice alone. But, uh, you know, how much feeling that we have something to contribute to the welfare of others, how much that is important to us. And I think this is one of the challenges for the elderly is that uh, they used to be very active with their families and careers and, you know, interacting and doing things with others. And then when they're old, they don't feel that same sense of being needed or of having anything to contribute. And I think that's really sad on the part of society that we look at the elderly like that and that the elderly feel that way about themselves. Because I perfect, uh, personally, you know, since I was, very, I was young, I enjoyed uh, asking people older than me what... Uh, their lives were like because they grew up at a different historical time than I did and had different, you know, according to who they were, different family backgrounds, different ideas or situations that they grew up in. And to me, it was really fascinating to learn about people and, you know, how they thought and what they experienced and how they dealt with it. It gave me a lot to think about in terms of my own life. And so uh, I think, you know, it's it's important to learn from those who are older, yeah, instead of thinking that we are the young hip ones who um, don't, who now... Only one person in this group knows what TikTok is. <laughs> uh, oh, you know two? Okay, so two people. Yeah, and the rest of us, we're out of it. Okay? So, uh, you know, to, to really use our opportunity to learn from others and to use whatever skills we have to contribute to the welfare of others. Now, of, of course, we all have the shining examples in society of people who are very, very famous, who do so much to benefit society and win Nobel Peace Prizes and so on and so forth. And then we say, you know, oh, I can't be like that. So uh, if I can't be like that, then whatever I do really isn't worth very much. And that's wrong, you know. It isn't a thing of being the best. It's the thing of giving and contributing in whatever situation we happen to be in. Because we can't always control what situation we're in. So, for example, 
uh, one of the guys I write to in prison is an incredible practitioner. Yeah, you might think, well, what good can can you do for other sentient beings when you're locked in prison? Okay, I think he does a lot of good because he makes friends with the other people in his unit. Now, making friends when you're in prison is a very different thing than making friends when you're out in the free world. Okay, because. A prison, in some ways, is like a monastery. You live with people you wouldn't normally associate if you had a choice, you know? It's true. I mean, we have different ideas and different things. You can't always choose, you know, oh, I'm going to join the monastery where I like absolutely everybody and they all think I'm great. You know, where are you going to find such a place? You dream about it, yes, but, you know, be practical. Um, So the prison is in a certain way, but he's just incredible the way he, uh, I mean, he shares the things he gets at commissary. When he sees people getting depressed or getting riled up, he'll go talk to them, you know. So, and he encourages different people too. So, uh You know, when you see things like that, you think, well, I can't help the people in prison, but he's there. And look how much he's helping people that society generally wants to throw away and ignore and get rid of. So it isn't who we're hoping or how many people see us and write about us. It's what's going on in our own heart and how we live it in our daily lives. Yeah. I was thinking about this, too, because um, I have to present a paper about Western Buddhist nuns, past, uh, present, and future, at a conference in Korea in June. And uh, a venerable uh, Damcha very kindly uh, ghost wrote it for me. But there's, I'm coming across certain parts in it, okay, that are making me think, you know, who gets written down? You know, when there's a whole review of like previous nuns. Well, who gets talked about? You know, oh, the ones who did this and do that and the other thing, okay? As if they were the only people doing things to practice the Dharma and spread the Dharma. My experience is, you know, I mean, because there was even a sentence in the article, the Western nuns didn't uh, set up communities right away, just like the Indians and Sri Lankans and Chinese and Tibetans did. You know, and I thought, you know, there's a lot that's been that has to go on before you set up a community. And there's a lot of maturation in the individual Sangha members, in the society in general. There's so many things that need to happen before the causes and conditions can come together. Who gets the credit is the people who build the monastery. 
the people who don't get the credit are all the people at the beginning who were there, who were in this really incredible, sometimes very difficult situation. Yeah. But nobody knows their names. Nobody gives them credit. But, you know, what's happening later is, what is it? You stand on the the, um, shoulders of giants. So here are all these invisible giants who did all this groundwork. You stand on the shoulders and people say how wonderful you are. But if it wasn't for everybody else, that wouldn't be there. Okay? So it really made me think, you know, how we uh, write books, how we talk about history. And there's so many factors going on. Uh, You know, a leader cannot be a leader without followers. And if the followers don't agree, the leader cannot do what they want. But who gets written about is the leader. The followers have incredible clout, you know? But nobody writes about them. But they're very important in whatever any leader does. Okay? So it really made me think, you know, coming back to this Zelensky quote, you know, that it's important that because we we can't control the situation we're born into. Um, I mean, after you're born into it. Before you're born there, you have lots of control. But we don't take that control <laughs> before because we don't want to. We don't want to create the causes, you know. But after you're reborn, then then you go, oh, am I here? Well, you know, look what you did in the past. Oh, I don't want to look at what I did in the past. Um, So, you know, it comes down to whatever situation we're born in to contribute in that situation and not worry about being famous, not worry about whether people are going to write newspaper articles about you or make videos about you or write about you in some paper that's going to be delivered in Korea that will be published in some journal, and nobody else will read it after that. Okay, but you can write that you've got an article published. Okay, what does it mean? Not very much. Okay, so to really look at what we're doing uh, in our daily lives to contribute. And to really... Uh, notice the quote, quote, little people, yeah, who are, uh, who are actually the backbone of, uh, what, and whatever any leader does, whether the leader is Putin or whether the leader is the Dalai Lama. It's the people, you know, the people who don't get mentioned, uh, who are really important in it. So we should remember that. Otherwise, it's very easy to start thinking, you know, oh, yeah, I'm somebody. Well, who are you? You know, oh, 
I'm somebody filled with ignorance, anger, and attachment. Okay, yes, that's more realistic. Okay. So having that sense of life and the purpose of life for when you contribute. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. You know, the people who work in uh, old age homes, a lot of the people who were the, uh, the front people during the pandemic, who had jobs that didn't give them health insurance or overtime or even a decent wage they could live by. But these people were often the people that kept the country running because they stocked the grocery store shelves. They transported the different things, you know, the UPS drivers and so on. So nobody writes about them. Yeah. But... And, and they were the ones who often suffer, suffered the most because of the pandemic. But uh, look how much they benefited society, you know, and the healthcare workers in the, um, in the old folks' home. Yeah. So, you, or, you know, so you usually think, well, old folks are going to die. Not, don't put much attention on them. So the people who work on them, well, yeah, they're not very important either. But old folks are important. And the workers, you know, who keep them alive are important. Yeah. So it's really important, you know, for us to not just look at what society says is important and where you get societal fame and recognition, but from what we do in our, our, our own hearts that gives us satisfaction. Um, I don't know how long it went for, maybe two months, three months, but um, people at around six o'clock everywhere went on their front porches yes. and banged their drum. We did yeah. it in Seattle. It was in other cities. It was just wonderful. Yeah. And then a year later, those very same people are getting criticized. Yeah. And told, you know, why, uh, why can't you save me? The people who didn't wear masks and didn't get vaccinated, going to hospitals, being infuriated at the healthcare workers. Yeah. So sometimes you do what's good and the people who don't understand criticize you. So that's, I think, why it's really important that our own sense of self-confidence and to check our motivation, because if we know we're acting with a good motivation, we can endure this stuff. If I can bring up another situation, because uh, I know you people haven't been watching it. I'm the one who watches the news around here. I am the, you know, the CNN correspondent. <laughs> who uh, reports things to Shravasti Abbey about what's happening in the rest of the world. So, um, you know, they're interviewing uh, Katanje um, Brown Jackson for the, the Supreme Court justice, and she would be the first African-American woman to be a Supreme Court justice. Well, 
you know, and it's incredible uh, to watch how some members of the Senate, which is the most uh, politically exalted uh, unit of deliberation, you know, for the country, and some people look at it, you know, the Senate for the world, you know, and and how important the Senate is to making policy and making things go well in the Senate and then in, in the country. And the question some members of the Senate are asking her, it's it's a circus. I mean, they're asking her things that do not pertain at all to her uh, Supreme Court qualifications. Yeah. Like, uh, what is your faith and how do you... Uh, measure the depth of your faith in a scale of one to ten. Yes, that was one question to her. Another senator brought out a big cardboard uh, poster that was the replica of a, um, a critical race theory book that is taught to preschoolers up to second grade, saying that babies are racist and brought out this whole big thing, you know, to show, uh, because she's on the board uh, the, uh, of the school. Of course, she doesn't make the curriculum. That doesn't, you know. So these absolutely ridiculous things yeah. And she sat there. I mean, they were tearing her apart verbally. It was really like lions, you know. And she just sat there and she tried to answer their questions. Oh, here, here's, here's another spectacular question. Yeah. From one senator. Uh, please give the definition of woman. <laughs> yeah, because the, the, you see the senators are bringing up all this stuff that their uh, followers, the culture war thing. So, you know, the whole transgender, transgender thing is like raging now. And this is what the legislative bodies in the states are focusing about. So you may have thousands and millions of people in your state, many of whom don't have health insurance, are short on food, whose children don't get a proper education because the schools aren't funded. But what does the legislature talk about? Transgender girls playing on girls' sports teams. Yeah. Now, how many of those people are there in each state? But this is what they're legislating about. So, it, you know, you, you look at that kind of thing, and then you see, okay, these people have a lot of fame, and they're really posing for the electorate to get some brownie points. 
um, for, you know, their interest in these topics. And she just has to sit there and listen. She, she may try to answer their questions. They interrupt her. Yeah. And it was very interesting. Uh, book, Cory Booker, for those of you who know him, he's a, a fantastic senator. At the end, you know, towards the end of, of this whole circus, um, he said to her, uh, you know, there's a reason why you're a judge and I'm a politician. And you sat through all this with incredible grace and humility. And she did. Yeah. But in the right-wing press, uh, she's getting trashed because, of course, she didn't give uh, her definition, <laughs> what she told this person, ask, I'm not a biologist, ask a biologist what a woman is. <laughs> Actually, the person who asked the question was a woman. And I thought, I because I have a big mouth, I probably would have said, Dear, if you don't know what a woman is by your age, <laughs> you're in big trouble. <laughs> you know? Okay. But what I'm getting at in, in all this is look at the qualities of the person and how they handle themselves, not how much they get written up in the paper. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's quite... Amazing, really quite amazing. And, uh, and Cory Booker was just, he's over the moon, you know. Um, and he just says, when you, you know, get confirmed as the first black, you know, female black justice, no one's going to take that joy away from me. And he's just like going on and on and like, he's so happy. It's really wonderful to see, you know, compared to some of the other ones who are growling. <laughs> so, yeah. Check the mind. Check the mind. Okay. So in terms of checking the mind, yeah, uh, Venerable Lamsell, I, I, I asked people, I was my usual complaint about getting too many emails. So now... I get printed out letters that are two pages long. <laughs> it's not an email, but, you know, I've gotten more than one of these. One was actually four pages. Um, not from her, from somebody else. Uh, but anyway, what she did was she brought up something that was very interesting that I had taught in a previous teaching when I was talking about uh, Precious Human Life. And I was thinking rather than go through the 18, you know, like I was talking about last time, which I'm sure you've heard about. And if you can't remember, then you can go and easily find the list. Uh, that I would talk about these. There's two sets of eight. And they're uh, from uh, Long Chenpa, who was a great Nyingma master. Okay, so the verse that we're talking about here is uh, verse 15. 
because up until 14, we had talked about overcoming the, uh, you know, the hindrance of laziness. And now we're shifting into just this one verse, the second kind of of hindrance to to joyous effort, which is uh, delight in samsaric things, you know. Or as Geshe Nawandage said, keeping ourselves the busiest of the busy. Okay? So the verse reads, having rejected the supreme joy of the sacred dharma, which is a boundless source of delight, why am I distracted by the causes for pain? Why do I enjoy frivolous amusements and the like? Good questions. Yeah. So here's the the sacred dharma that can lead us to real happiness and that can really help us be happier in this life by releasing our anger and jealousy and greed and so on. So, you know, we reject or we abandon the the supreme joy of this, you know, the sacred dharma. Um, which is a boundless source of delight in this life and future lives. And then what do we run after? Yeah. So often what we're running after is the causes of pain. Yeah. So example, you know, the, the, uh, we all, we're putting everything on Putin, but of course he has a whole group of people behind him. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what, what are they looking for? You know, they want happiness. Yeah. And everybody's theorizing what kind of happiness Putin wants. You know, is it wealth? Is it prestige? Does he want to be like a czar? Is it power? What's his trip? Um, so he's just trying to be happy. But what kind of karma is he creating and what kind of actions is he doing? You know, by some estimates, there's as many as 15,000 Russian boys who have died so far in the, the conflict in, in Ukraine. That's a one-month conflict. Yeah, Russia lost 15,000 in in Afghanistan over 10 years. Yeah, the U.S. lost 2,500 in Afghanistan. So 15,000 in a one-month war. Nobody knows the exact figures because, first of all, they can't count them. You know, there's bodies just lying in the streets. Yeah, and now that the snow's beginning to melt, this is becoming a big problem. Yeah, but uh, and certainly the Russian hierarchy is not going to tell what the cost in lives is. Yeah, yeah. After the first week, they said it was like four hundred and something, and no other announcements since then. Um, but really, nobody knows the true count. I mean, yeah, and in some places they're just putting the bodies, whether they're Ukrainian or or the Ukrainian ones they're trying to bury properly, but, you know, 
sometimes there's too many of it, or the Russian ones. And they just have to dig mass graves and put the body in a body bag and throw it in because there's so many. And, you know, it's a real sanitation danger if, uh, you know, with the warming climate. And the Russians don't seem to be uh, to be collecting the bodies of their own soldiers. So, you know, here's somebody trying to be happy, creating the causes of suffering right now for so many people. I don't think he's so happy right now because he thought it was going to be a piece of cake, and it's not. This invasion is not a piece of cake. And uh, he doesn't know about karma, but that doesn't mean he's not creating it. You know, the kind of karma he's creating for future lives is horrible, you know. There's no sense in wishing somebody like this harm, you know. Some people say, oh, well, he'll get it in his next life. (laughs) That's no kind of thing, rejoicing in somebody else's suffering. Yeah, whether it's this life or next life, you know. Sentient beings are trying to be happy, and their minds are totally obscured with the three poisonous attitudes. Yeah. And who else belongs in that category? Yours truly. Okay. So, uh, you know, why am I distracted by the causes for pain? So you might take Putin or somebody else you know as an example, but then... You have to ask the question to yourself. Yeah. How am, what are the causes of pain that I create in my life through my actions of body, speech, and mind? You know, and look at the negative karma. Okay. And look at, you know, how you are in this life and your relationships with people and how you feel about yourself. And, you know, why am I distracted by the causes of pain chasing after them? Because I think it's going to bring me happiness. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much of you have been a, a turkey observer, but the turkeys, you know, they came the first day of spring, March 20th, They were in spring mode, okay? For those of you who this is your first spring at the Abbey, yeah, what happens with the turkeys? Yeah, well, the boy turkeys are displaying their feathers. They somehow think they're gorgeous like peacocks. So, you know, they have their feathers and then, you know, they're kind of, head that has a few scratchy feathers and, you know, and then there, I, this, this thing that droops from their nose and the thing that droops here. And those are supposed to be signs of beauty that turn the girls on. <laughs> okay. So they're all running around doing their feather thing, you know, flapping their, spreading their feathers and flapping them. And, you know, to show what they not only show off in front of the girls, but they, they compete with the boys, yeah? 
And so sometimes they'll get in fights yeah, at this time of year. Meanwhile, the girls that they're trying to, to impress run away from them. Watch, just watch, you know? And the girls are like, huh? You know, you guys leave us alone. And then the girls run off. The boys chase them. This is like high school revisited. Okay, it's just like high school. So the girls are running. The boys are chasing them. Then there's a few girls who are in back. And it's like, oh, the boys are chasing those girls. So these girls start chasing the boys. Okay. Everybody, all the turkeys going completely bananas in the springtime wanting to be happy. Okay? Now, we human beings think that we're different. Okay? That's because we spend, we don't just fluff our feathers out and things like that. We go and spend thousands of dollars to improve our appearance. The turkeys are much more practical. It's cheap. Yeah, they just spread their feathers. You know, we spend money on doing this. Okay? So why am I distracted by the causes for pain? Okay. Do you remember high school? Yeah. Was high school a difficult time in your life? Middle school, high school, yeah. Um, yeah, we were kind of like those turkeys. And then you become an adult and you think, oh, I don't do things like that anymore. Really? No, you've just paid more for bigger feathers. <laughs> you know? And paraded more, showing off, you know, whatever you want to show off. And yet, this is so important and meaningful in our lives, you know. And the amount of time people fret over how they look. Yeah. And that, that's just one extremely obvious example. But how many other sources of pain do we chase off after? You know, competing with other people, putting other people down, showing that we're, you know, we're more witty, we're quicker than them, whatever it is. Um, and how do I enjoy frivolous amusements and the like? Okay, frivolous amusements, you know, some, some of them have educational value. Some of them are really frivolous, okay? Um, and there are favorite amusements, yeah, movies and sports. Yeah, some people are going to go, sports isn't, aren't frivolous amusements, you know, they're important. And, and do you notice the sports heroes and the movie heroes? These are the people who get paid a lot, who get idolized in society, and whose 
family lives and personal lives are often a wreck. Yeah? But, you know, how our society chases after that. And then here are these people who are so famous, whose personal lives are are a wreck. It goes all over TV. They're criticized. Nobody has compassion for them. Yeah. Remember that that there was one uh, football guy. Sorry, I don't remember names very well. And he, uh, some, there was some video. I don't know if it was in the elevator or somebody took it of him uh, hitting his wife, dragging her out of the elevator and beating her. And this was, this just, you remember it, yeah? Uh, do you remember his name? Yeah. So, but it was all over the news. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. And, and people gobble up this garbage. I mean, somebody else's pain. So here you have somebody trying to be happy who's really creating the cause of pain. And then you have other people taking delight in gossiping about them. Okay. Yeah. Not to mention one other very famous TV star who um, created a lot of causes for suffering, but who and who people just adore, whose um, whose big line on TV was "You're fired." Yeah, remember that guy. So, yeah, I know you wish you could forget him. <laughs> but, he's, you know, he's trying to be happy and chasing after the causes of suffering. But how do we chase after the cause of suffering by, you know, oh, look what he did in this and this and this and this. And somebody's whole personal life, you know, on display in the news. He happens to like it personally, but some of the women that he uh, has known um, don't like it so so much. Okay? So just to look, not only at how other people, but how we do that. Yeah. Why do we look at our own little way of kind of being a bit snotty. I know that's not a, a word a nun should use, but it's better than some of the other words I've used. <laughs> okay, so uh, Longchenda, who lived a while ago, points out some of the things that we still do today. Okay, now, of course, the examples, he doesn't have all the uh, tech examples and so on that we have, they didn't have gyms in old Tibet. Um, they didn't need gyms. They worked out just fine carrying the water. Uh, uh, but the, these are things to, to look at how we don't um, take advantage of our precious human life. Now, the point of, tell, of going through this is not, repeat, not so that we feel guilty so that we tell ourselves, oh, 
yes, that's me. I reject the supreme joy of the sacred dharma, which is a boundless source of delight, and I'm distracted by the causes of pain and enjoy frivolous amusements and the like, and how terrible I am, what a horrible practitioner I am. I'll never get to enlightenment. Ah. Okay, it's not to produce that kind of reaction, because that kind of reaction wastes more time. And what we're talking about here is how, how we waste our time. Okay. So it's not about feeling guilty, put our, putting ourselves down, telling ourselves how hopeless and helpless we are. Because that is just the third kind of laziness. Yeah. The laziness of despondency. Okay. So Longchenpa gives eight intrusive conditions and eight incompatible propensities. Okay, let's do the intrusive conditions that interfere with us making use of our precious human life. First one, turmoil from the five emotions, attachment, anger, confusion, confusion, arrogance, and jealousy. They dominate our mind and we can't practice. Anybody here ever have turmoil in their mind? over ang- because their mind's been filled with attachment, anger, confusion, arrogance, or jealousy? Anybody? Yeah? How long have you spent in that mental state? Hmm? Too, too long. But sometimes days and weeks. Yeah? Sometimes even months. Years. Yeah? going round and around about same thing. Okay. So this is, you know, write these down and then go through in your meditation and really check, you know, how these have wasted our time. The second one, stupidity, lack of intelligence. So you can't understand the teachings. Now, we all say, well, yeah, I was born stupid. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, from a Buddhist viewpoint, that is not correct. Okay, when they talk about the four kinds of cherub, cherub can be translated as intelligence or wisdom, you know. There's four kinds. Yes, there's the kind you're, you're born with. That's just one kind. Then there's three others that are developed from Dharma practice. Okay? So the in, intelligence of, um, let's see if I can remember them now. I think it comes from, from yeah, the intelligence coming from uh, learning, hearing, and studying the teachings, the intelligence coming from thinking about them, discussing them, and the intelligence that comes about from meditating on them. Okay. And so those three are things that you develop uh, during your life. They aren't inborn. And you can see some people have incredible worldly intelligence and very little Dharma intelligence. The Dharma just goes right past them. Okay. 
But, you know, how, how much do we uh, just kind of sign off on ourselves and say, oh, all this stuff, emptiness, you know, this text is just too difficult. I don't even understand what the words mean. What's an external object? This one. No, that's not what he's talking about. What's you know, no external objects. What's that? Yeah. What's a latency on the mind? Yeah. Is that like a drip of pancake batter on a hot <laughs> stove? A latency on my mind? You know? What, what? Yeah. What are these guys talking about? Emptiness. Yeah. My bank account. You know? Okay, so signing off on ourselves, telling ourselves we can't learn. Third one, being dominated by evil influences. So relying on corrupt teachers or friends who lead us away from the Dharma. Oh, this is an interesting one. Relying on corrupt teachers. We'll do it in two parts. Corrupt teachers. Now, we look around, and, uh, you know, there's some teachers who do not uh, act according to their precepts. There's some teachers who, uh, as His Holiness says, are nobody in the Tibetan community, but they come to the West, and all of a sudden they have a tag of, a long tag of epitaphs, you know. His Holiness, His Eminence, the great um, Tulku Lama Rinpoche John, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and everybody goes, oh, wow, look at all those epitaphs. This guy's, he must be an incredible teacher, you know. And he's just somebody who happened to come to the West who wore robes with who knows their level of study. Okay. So I'm not saying that all the monks who come here are like that. Certainly not. There's some really excellent teachers. But once in a while you get one of those. Okay. Um, And so people who... It's it's a two-way thing, and people don't like when I talk like this. There can be a corrupt teacher, but when the student is naive and lacks the wisdom to see the corruption of the teacher, or when the student feels intimidated because the teacher has all these titles and more prestige and more power, or when the group around the teacher says, you know, they're perfect and uh, you're going to go to hell creating the negative karma by criticizing them. Yeah. So this can keep somebody connected to a teacher who, um, whose behavior may not be proper, but I think even more important is a teacher who teaches incorrectly, you know, who, who 
passes off what is not the Dharma for the Buddha's teaching. Yeah. Okay, a teacher doesn't keep their precepts well. That is evident, and people can figure that out after some time. But a teacher who distorts the Dharma, what they call abandoning the Dharma, teaching something that looks like the Dharma but isn't, yeah, that is, can, be very, can be much harder to detect for new students who don't know what the Buddha's, uh, you know, what the four truths are and what the teachings are. And so you go and to some talk by somebody and, you know, they're incredibly, um, what is it, uh, charismatic. And then you just take whatever they say is the truth. And what I found is the first people that a student hears about a topic with, they remember what is taught by those first people. And if they're taught something uh, incorrectly, it takes a lot of work afterwards, even if they meet really good teachers, to let go of what they were taught at the beginning. Yeah? And so this is something Nagarjuna talks about a lot in Precious Garland, if you remember, you know. Um, so being dominated on evil by de- evil influences. So we're dominated, yeah, by corrupt teachers who teach incorrectly, yeah, or friends who lead us away from the Dharma. Now, these people, they're friends. How can they be evil? Okay. Here the word evil doesn't mean that they look like some monster with fangs and and pointed horns and sneering at you and ready to suck your blood. You know, that's not what evil means in, in Dharma. Okay. An evil friend is somebody who wants you to be happy in the worldly way. They care about you, and they want you to be happy. Yeah. So come on vacation with us. Don't go to that meditation retreat. All you're doing is looking at your belly button. You know, come on vacation. We can go water skiing or snow skiing or jump on trampolines or... Uh, you know, go to the uh, see Tom Brady, who re- he who resigned and who now joined with another another football team or something, or maybe the same football team. I don't know what happened, but he resigned. You know, and everybody was mourning for three and four days, and then he signed up with another team. So we could go watch him. You know, isn't that exciting? Yeah, isn't he like 45, 46, and he can still catch a football? (laughs) And he can still throw a football. That's more, okay, that's more important than catching the football. Okay, I thought you need catchers and uh, throwers. He's a thrower. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, look, we could go watch Tom Brady. 
Yeah. We could go look, watch, you know, the baseball players like the Mets or the Angels or, you know, we could go watch, you know, the, 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 the um, you know, some, the, the, uh, world premiere of some movie like Spider-Man means, meets crocodile. <laughs> 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 okay. You know, look at all the fun things we could go to. So an evil friend is somebody who wants us to relax, you know, who wants to take us to a French restaurant where we can eat such rich food that clog our arteries and make us have high blood pressure, you know? And the, or take us to McDonald's, which does the same thing, but for less money. <laughs> yeah? Clog your arteries, give you, you know. So this is somebody who, who cares about us and wants us to have a happy life, you know, who says, oh, you know, uh, yeah, we know you're married, but there's somebody else out there that you've been looking at. Go ahead. Your spouse won't find out. No problem. Yeah. So, so this is, yeah. And these people are, can be hard to detect because we've, we've been close to them, you know, and we care about them. Uh, and, we still have a lot of worldly interest in our own minds, and they just hook into that. And, you know, there we go. Like, yeah, here I come. Yeah. So it's not saying that we should look at these people. Oh, you're my family. You're my old friends. You know, you're evil. Yeah, I read it in a Dharma book. You're evil. Please. Um, yeah, Dharma's supposed to create harmony, not, <laughs> you know, don't go around telling your friends and family that they're evil. Um, they aren't evil. They wish you well. They just have a different perspective. They don't think about past and future lives, especially future lives. They're thinking about this life. Yeah. And so we, we join in. It's very easy. Okay. Fourth, laziness. So we've been through this already for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about, amazing how much you can talk about being lazy. Yeah. And so... Yeah, so I know, you know, spring is coming. Some people want want to put lounge chairs on the wish list and a little swimming pool, you know. Uh, we can have one of those baby swimming pools, you know, one for the men, one for the women, you know, and try and keep the turkeys from not jumping in because <laughs> they think it's a bird bath. <laughs> um, you know... Uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, let's get new mattresses that are, you know, for soft for the people who like soft and firm for the people who like firm. And, yeah. 
five, being inundated by the effect of past negative actions. Yeah, when everything seems to go wrong in your life. Yeah, so the ripening of all sorts of negative karma. Yeah, your health, your health problems, then your mind is unhappy, then you, you, uh, uh, you get kicked out of the Dharma center, you know. Somebody puts you in one of the, the black little boats that we have out front and push, <laughs> pushes you down country lane, you know. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Um, you know, everything seems to go wrong in your life. Yeah, inundated by the effects of past negative actions. And what do we do when that happens? Yeah, do we respond with the Dharma mind? Yeah, what does a Dharma mind look like when you're inundated with past negative actions? What's a Dharma mind then? Hmm? Fortitude. But what in particular are you thinking? What do you How wonderful. All my negative karma is ripening. Yep. That's it. Yeah. This negative karma is ripening. It's finished. Okay. Also, when I have problems, it teaches me humility. Yeah. We could we could all stand to develop a little bit of humility. So here's something that is a perfect opportunity to teach us humility. Suffering also teaches us compassion. Because our negative karma ripens out of the blue and we're going, wait, how did this happen? You know, I'm trying to make my life go ahead in a good way. And now, you know, I have all these problems. Then you start looking at the people society blames for having problems, you know, because society says, you know, it's the pick up yourself by the old bootstrap business. And if somebody, you know, has addiction problems or they're on the streets or mental health problems, it's their fault. Yeah, we blame people. But how much of it also comes from the society? How has society failed people? not giving them the health care where they can get medical um, medical um, help for either mental mental illness or physical illness. You know, how about our social safety net, which is uh, which is so interesting. People are so worried about the poor people, taking advantage of the social uh, uh, safety net. You know, the welfare queen. Remember Bill Clinton and the welfare queen? Yeah. And some, you know, poor people taking advantage, milking the system. But nobody worries about corporations milking the system. How corporations send their lobbyists in to... um, Speak pleasantly to the senators and Congress people who make the laws uh, so that they lower the taxes on corporations, 
so that they cut the the taxes on rich people you know how when when the government gives corporations money to open business in their county but they but the government won't give that money to people who live in the county yeah who need more food for their kids or who want better schools for their kids okay so what i'm saying is often we blame we tend to blame people thinking it's all personal responsibility but people live in an environment and sometimes it's a failure of the system yeah and uh you know that that's come out uh a, you know sometimes especially regarding vets you know the vets uh are are not often uh help very much after they retire or if they're injured yeah yeah sometimes they have incredible pain from physical or mental uh things that happened while they were in war zones and uh due to the kindness of the pharmaceutical industry who has uh taken lots of doctors out for lots of really delicious meals and got take them on the holidays to conferences that last one hour but they can take a holiday trip um you know doctors who push uh ox oxycontin did i say it right yeah and uh which is highly addictive and the people the vets many of them get addicted and then their marriages fall apart their you know they lose their job and so on so um, you know how many people in this country die from overdose yeah so you know you're inundated with uh the effects of of negative actions and you have you're dealing with the effects of ne- the negative actions and you're also dealing with the scorn of other people or you're imprisoned you know when the chinese communists took over tibet or when the communists took over china the same thing happened in china arresting people imprisoning them no trials you're just put in a prison cell and um many people went insane many people committed suicide they didn't do anything wrong it's just you know they were the wrong social class and got arrested and imprisoned yeah so how are you going to deal with those experiences because we think oh, that only happens to people on the other side of the world it doesn't yeah and the people who experienced that on the other side of the world didn't think it was going to happen to them so if we have lots of problem how are we going to handle it yeah can we really say oh look yeah my suffering is teaching is using up my negative karma it's it's teaching me humility it's teaching me compassion yeah are we familiar with thinking like that do would we even think of thinking like that or would we just feel sorry for ourselves and blame others yeah so i think it's it's very helpful imagine yourself 
in some of these situations that you think could never happen to you. Yeah? And think, how would I practice the Dharma in this situation? How am I going to use the Dharma in this situation? Yeah. We have a few people, you know, uh, Abby friends and supporters. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of one who very severely ill. She has an incredible Dharma practice. Amazing Dharma practice. Doesn't complain, takes her suffering in stride, really practices these methods, you know, and says, yeah, using it all up. We have another person whose child committed suicide. That's one of the most painful things, I think, for parents. Again, you know, writing and saying the Dharma is what really helped me through this. Yeah. So, you know, really, uh, yeah. what is a good practitioner? Often they're the people we, you know, because practice, practice means to change our mind. It doesn't mean to get written up and have accolades. Accolades. I can, can't speak English anymore. Am I saying it properly? Anyway, who get praised, you know? It's what you really can do with your mind. And so sit there and think about being in these different situations. And what, you know, what Dharma remedy do I have to think about if I'm in that situation? And pretend you're in the situation and pretend thinking like that and work with your mind, you know, because the mind is not naturally going to go in that way. The mind probably naturally, if it's like my mind, goes to complaining, it's unfair, why me? Yeah, they're to blame. Yeah, but no, how, but, and none of that makes us happy. You're, you're in a suffering situation. But you can blame other people all you want, but it doesn't make you any happier. Yeah, it makes, it actually makes you more miserable, doesn't it? Oh, is that person's from there? They're all rotten, and why am I surrounded by all these horrible, rotten people who don't appreciate what a kind heart I have? How generous and forgiving and loving and supportive I've been. Okay. Aren't I wonderful? Isn't that the conclusion? Aren't I wonderful? I'm perfect. They're rotten. Okay. We'll do one more. Being enslaved uh, by others so that you have no autonomy and the person who dominates you doesn't allow you to practice. So there's a lot in here. So... Definitely, regularly, what we call slavery, you know, or um, or you're being trafficked, you're being enslaved. There's slavery in this world now. There was slavery at the time of the Buddha, too. So that kind of slavery where you have no opportunity to govern your own life or decide what you're going to do. In this case, it's it's 
that you want to practice the Dharma, but you can't. The slavery impedes you from practicing the Dharma because you have no autonomy. What about a situation? Okay, uh, somebody dominates you. So you're in a, uh, you're super attached to somebody, but that person mistreats you. Yeah, you're super attached. Yeah, but your husband beats you. They threaten you. Yeah, it looks, you can, you can present to the world uh, the image of a fantastic marriage. But what goes on when the doors are closed is another thing. Yeah. And you're in that kind of situation where somebody is dominating you and you can't leave. Now we say can't leave. You, so some people, maybe physically, they can't leave because they're locked up or chained inside the house. But other people, they can't leave in the sense that emotionally they're too tied to that person. Yeah. You're in a rotten marriage. You thought somebody was wonderful before you got married and even afterwards, and then things go downhill. Yeah. Uh, But you can't leave. And it's not... It's a double thing, their control, but your attachment to them. Yeah. Difficult situation. But that can really prevent you from practicing the Dharma. Or maybe you just have a regular marriage. Your your marriage is fine, but your husband and your kids want you home. They don't want you going out in the evening to Dharma, to a Dharma talk or to a retreat on the weekends. They want you home with them. I had one friend when I lived in another place. She was so active in the Dharma Center. And uh, her husband didn't like it so much, but he was okay. Yeah, some people, their husbands just, or their wives, you know, just do not like it. And it really creates tension in in the marriage. But with her, it was her teenage kids. They wanted mom at home. But when mom stayed home, they went out. But they didn't want mom to go to Dharma teachings. Okay. So these kind of problems in, you know, a personal situation where either the other person physically doesn't allow you to leave or guilt trips you, so, or, you know, hooks you and you bite the hook. You know, there's always two things with hooks. There's the hook and there's the biter, you know. And, and then uh, it makes practice difficult. Okay, so that's that's another one. Okay, questions, comments. Um, in the first of these, the 
turmoil from the different afflictions. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between that turmoil and actually working with the affliction? Well, and turmoil, using you're just having the turmoil. You don't know what to do with it. You sit and stew in it for days, weeks, months, years, lifetimes. Working with it means you say, oh, I'm in turmoil and I can do something about it by practicing the Dharma. Yeah. And so in that way, you pull yourself out of the turmoil. But some people don't know the Dharma. They, or they've heard lots of teachings, but when these things happen in life, they forget the teachings or they remember them, but because they didn't practice the teachings when they weren't in so much turmoil, that the, the antidotes are not so strong. And when they do fall in turmoil, it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, our turmoil is pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. When we're in the middle of turmoil, I mean, we are like, yeah. Huh? You aren't like. <laughs> I think it's solid, impenetrable fortress. Exactly. Solid, impenetrable fortress. And it is reality. No doubt about it. External, out there, reality. And there's nothing I can do. Nothing. And you stay in that for however long. Yeah, I think all of us have had some time in our life where we've stayed stuck in that. We could probably tell great stories. Yeah.